Hello, and you are listening to Ecojustice Radio from the KPFK Los Angeles studio. A project of SoCal 350 Climate Action, our show presents environmental and climate stories from a social justice frame, featuring voices not necessarily heard on traditional, mainstream, or even public media outlets. Our host today is Carrie Kim. She will be speaking with Linda Gibbs, owner and principal manager of the gardens at Woodshed Recording Studio. Linda teaches at the Gaia School of Healing and Earth Education and is a soil advocate for Kiss the Ground. One week after her home burned down in the Woolsey Fire, she spoke on behalf of Kiss the Ground at the 73rd Annual Conservation Resource Districts Conference on Soil and Fire Resilience. The urgency of our times and the loss of her home spurred her to begin offering free classes to educate and motivate people about what they can do right under their feet to regenerate the earth and address climate change. Welcome, Linda. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. You know, this is a perfect time to have you come on the show to speak about the soil carbon sponge, given the multiple wildfires burning in California right now. Mm-hmm. And I would like for you to, first of all, tell us, break it down for us, what is the soil carbon sponge? Ah, so the soil carbon sponge is a structure within soil that is high in organic matter, mm-hmm. that is made of carbon, mm-hmm. and is a structure similar to a sponge. So a sponge uh, absorbs a lot of water, mm-hmm. and it holds a lot of water because it has a structure that doesn't fall apart when it gets wet, and it has, but it has a lot of holes in it. Mm-hmm that hold water. And soil carbon sponge, the microbiology creates something called soil aggregates or like little clumps Mm -hmm. of soil that come together to form that structure. And when they come together, they create these pore spaces. And so when it rains, instead of the water puddling and running off, the water absorbs in very quickly. He said so it stores about 30 times its weight in water. That's in a correct. Good, good soil uh, carbon yes. sponge. <laughs> yes, yes. So 30 times its weight in water when it is high in organic matter, it has that structure made out of carbon. So what's the difference between the soil carbon sponge and just dirt that hasn't really been built up in this way as Good far question. as the absorption. So when you ask somebody or when we were in school, what is soil made out of, they would say sand, silt, and clay, mm-hmm. water, and air, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, and, and those are the building blocks of even the soil carbon sponge. That's the building blocks of soil. Mm-hmm. But to have that structure that's the sponge, you have to have biology. You have to have those microbes that are t- 
alive in the soil that have a symbiotic relationship with plants. Mm-hmm. So you can only have a soil carbon sponge if you have plants, plants. growing on the soil. You know, um, I was just revisiting Alan Savory's uh, founder of the Savory Institute, his famous TED Talk. And, you know, I don't remember the, the year of that TED Talk, but back then he was saying that two-thirds of the world is desertifying. That's correct, yes. So can you speak about the damaged soil and uh, you speak a bit more about what you've discovered in cultivating this soil carbon sponge and how we can really use the sponge to mitigate against climate change, if not reverse it? Yes, absolutely. So let me first talk about how did we start to desertify Mm -hmm. the land. So most people don't realize that over 90% of the deserts on the planet are man-made. And even the Sahara Desert. I think most people probably don't know. I didn't know that. So, Yeah, and, and when I tell people that, they say, well, how can that be? You know, we haven't been burning oil that long. We haven't been doing massive agriculture that long. But if you think about going back to even the Iron Age, right, mm-hmm. and you need fuel to melt that iron, mm-hmm. what, are you, what, what did they use? Wood. Mm-hmm. So we begin chopping down trees at a faster and faster rate, and then we're building buildings and we're building um, boats to go um, uh, <clears throat> you know, to go mm-hmm. across lands and discover other lands. And then through agriculture of undergrazing and overgrazing land, um, we begin to desertify the land because as soon as... So cutting down the trees is a big loss of carbon, but a larger loss of carbon when you cut down all the trees in a forest, when you clear-cut them... Mm-hmm is the carbon that dies in the soil. Mm. Because as soon as you've cut down all the trees or you've cleared the land of all the plants, Mm -hmm. the microbes begin to die because the soil aggregates begin to die. Mm -hmm. They only last, the soil aggregates last about four weeks and the new ones need to be made and plants and trees are the ones that make that. And so... There's way more carbon below the surface of the soil than all the carbon above ground and in the atmosphere combined. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in a massive amount. So, as the soil is bare, the microbes, it it heats up, the the, the soil aggregates begin to die, the microbes die, and then you begin to go back to sand, silt, and clay without those microbes. Mm-hmm. And is- then the water, instead of absorbing, runs off floods. or floods, mm-hmm. taking the topsoil with it. And a gentleman that I've been studying with said that he read a statistic in his hometown of Arizona that when it rains only 4% of the rain is actually absorbed into the ground. Mm -hmm. The rest is all washed away. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about droughts Mm -hmm. that are contributing to the aridification 
of California, and that dry, brittle land is what is so easy to burn, capturing every drop of rain when it rains is a huge advantage. Well, it, I love that quote that you had from Alan Savory that it's not drought that causes bare ground, it's bare ground that causes droughts. That's correct. That's correct because we all, so the largest gas in greenhouse gas in our, in our greenhouse is water vapor. Mm. And the hotter the surface of the planet gets, the more water we have in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if, and that, so that water is always there. If there's no plants and trees to draw it down, mm-hmm. that water moves to cooler areas. Mm-hmm. And as it moves, it picks up wind speed and causes wind storms. Mm-hmm which, again, fuel the fires. Right. It's this really hot, dry land and wind that are fueling these fires. Well, can you tell us, you know, you also broke down uh, in a recent post about why we really need to care about the soil carbon sponge. And there was a few different categories. And if you could share about those things with listeners, you know, beginning with Climate change. Yes. So, um, so climate change because um, let me go back a little bit to uh, explain a little bit about the carbon cycle because okay. that really helps us understand okay. how we got to where uh, we've gotten with um, going from 275 parts per million <laughs> of carbon in right. the atmosphere to, I think it's four. 406 and 407, uh, some maybe, I think even heard 412 parts per million we are up to. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, considering that we're SoCal 350, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) long past the number. We've gotten long past that. Okay. Um, So what I didn't realize before studying all this is that in the summer, we actually draw down more carbon than we release. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a drawdown effect every summer because mm-hmm. why? Everything's in bloom. Everything's green mm-hmm. and growing. Okay. But in the winter, mm-hmm. we are not drawing down. We are actually putting carbon up into the atmosphere. And we're, every year we're putting a little more than we draw down. Mm-hmm. And so George Keeling is the... Uh, the gentleman who first brought this uh, to our attention that we're beginning to have an excess, you know, the carbon in the, uh, the CO2 in the atmosphere is rising. And it wasn't a straight line. It was like a sawtooth. Mm-hmm. And it represented the winter of the CO2 going mm-hmm. up and, then the and the summer of the CO2 going down. So if we drew down in the summer as much as we are releasing excess in the winter, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, could ha- we could be at a neutral air, mm-hmm. you know, in, we could be neutral in mm-hmm. that so there's without not <clears throat> adding, right? Got it. So really the key is the summers, but is there anything that we could actually do in the winters, even though things are not 
plants aren't thriving? Is there anything that... Yes, yes. So if we have a soil carbon sponge, then we can grow green longer. Mm -hmm. And so right now, I mean, think about instead of, especially in California, by August or even July in a lot Uh of places, things are already brown. Mm -hmm. Imagine what it would be like if we extended that green season three months. Oh, that would be amazing. Three months more. Imagine. Then when when fire season comes, we've got green when the wind you know, when the winds are coming rather than Especially when the Santa Anas come. When the Santa Anas come, which actually come all the way from Utah. They begin in Utah. In the desert. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, where you have that bare land. So, and, and so if we grow a soil carbon sponge, mm-hmm. then we will help draw down um, uh, CO2 mm-hmm. and help mitigate climate change. And also keep more we water. We will begin to, when the soil carbon sponge, when it rains, if you have a soil carbon sponge, when it rains your land is going to be absorbing all that water. Mm-hmm. And so now you're going to be using much less water right? Um, because you can go 100 days without having to use irrigation as opposed to, you know, 9 or 10 days. Mm-hmm. And then you have to use irrigation because if the water is not absorbing, then it's evaporating. And... What happens when the sponge is full is it starts to then um, drain out the bottom instead of the top, mm-hmm. and then it refills aquifers, mm-hmm. or yeah. it hits um, granite, and then it runs vertical mm-hmm. and then comes up as a spring. Mm-hmm. So we begin to recharge our, springs. you know, our springs and um, rivers. We were, we, that's when we begin to reverse drought. Why is it that we get these record rains and then we're still in a drought? Because we're not recharging our aquifers. Mm-hmm. We're not recharging our aquifers because we have lost our soil carbon sponge. Uh, if you are just tuning in, you are listening to Eco Justice Radio on KPFK Los Angeles. Carrie Kim is speaking with Linda Gibbs from Woodshed Recording Studio on regenerative responses growing the soil carbon sponge. There's a place in Ethiopia, which we all think of as, you know, drought, famine area, that um, the people in an area in Ethiopia regenerated their soil carbon sponge, and now they have running water year-round. That's amazing. Yes. So... You know, why should we care about soil carbon sponge, climate change, drought, wildfires? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is it turns out when the soil carbon sponge is, has this symbiotic relationship with plants, then the, um, because it's healthier, the plants are healthier. They have a stronger immune system to pest and disease. Mm -hmm. So then we get to um, eliminate uh, pesticides, Mm -hmm. and we get to um, have food that actually has 
nutrients. more nutrition and more secondary metabolites like antioxidants that help us fight disease. Can you speak about how the soil carbon sponge leads to whole ecosystems restoration? Yes. What's so exciting about soil is that everything on the terrestrial plane, you know, everything that's alive on the planet outside of the ocean Mm -hmm. began because of the soil. And it was, you know, basically a symbiotic relationship between blue-green algae that knows how to photosynthesize Mm -hmm. and fungi that can break down the minerals of rock. Mm -hmm. And they formed a symbiotic relationship called lichen. Mm -hmm. And lichen formed the soil on the planet. And then we began to have this evolution of plants. And as we began to have this evolution of plants, all this carbon came down out of the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And we begin to have a very rich environment that, uh, you know, you begin to have the insects and then you begin to have the birds Mm -hmm. and then the predator birds and, you know, and and mammals and bigger mammals. Mm -hmm. And everywhere that somebody begins to uh, restore, that restores their soil carbon sponge, every farmer, every rancher begins having what's called ecosystems, uh, oh, I forgot there's a word for it. Oh, I don't remember. But all these other benefits happen where rare birds begin to show up. Mm -hmm. Animals that, you know, haven't been around for a long time begin to show up. Some of these ranchers now have bird watchers coming onto their land to watch you know, to bird watch and pay. Um, beekeepers are paying a farmer in um, South Dakota to put their bees on his grasslands because mm-hmm. they're so, so diverse. Mm-hmm. And it turns out when bees are harvesting from a diversity of pollen, they have more fat on their body. And when they have more fat on their body, they're more resilient and resistant to the viral mite that is killing the bees and and contributing to colony collapse. And so normally farmers pay beekeepers Mm -hmm. to bring their bees Mm, to them. Now, it's the opposite. This beekeeper is paying (laughs) the rancher and farmer (laughs) to put the bees on there because they want that huge diversity. And... Um, you know, there shouldn't be just one type of bee in a healthy meadow. A healthy meadow should have, you know, four different types Mm -hmm. of bees harvesting on one plant at the same time. Because here in California, we have a thousand different species of native bees. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Can you speak about the, the five major regenerative principles when, oh, when making land management? Such I know this is what your question. practice is at uh, yes. the Woodshop. How do you grow the soil carbon sponge? Well, the, um, these, these five principles that Gabe Brown um, it, uh, kind of um, coalesced into easy understanding principles. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to 
point out that they're principles. They're not techniques. They're principles that you take every land management decision and you run it through these these principles. Mm-hmm. So there so are a thousand up. different ways to make compost, you know. So it's not about saying, this is what you have to do. Right it's saying, way. use these principles. Mm-hmm. So least disturbance. That's, okay. And least disturbance. Turns out, imagine you have a sponge and it's really dry and you put it in a blender. <laughs> yeah. How, how well is it going to hold water <laughs> after that? Well, it turns out the same thing happens uh, with soil, the soil carbon sponge, when you till it. Mm. And then another thing that is a huge disturbance is NPK fertilizers. So, mm-hmm. you know, most land managers would say, well, you can't grow plants without nitrogen. Mm-hmm. I got to have phosphorus. And then what happens? We have all most, you know, because you don't have a so most farms do not have a soil carbon sponge when it rains Mm -hmm. their topsoil and all that rain runs from the middle of america Mm -hmm. to the mississippi river and takes all those npk fertilizers to the gulf of mexico Mm -hmm. where we have a dead zone the size of new jersey Mm -hmm. it contribute that is caused directly from these fertilizers turns out those MPK fertilizers do the same thing in the soil. They, in the ocean, they create these algae blooms mm-hmm. that then, you know, end up eating everything, and then we have, you know, zero oxygen in the water. In the soil, it creates these bacterial blooms that then quickly eat up all of the soil aggregates. Mm-hmm. And they're feeding the plants in such a way it's kind of like being on steroids. You look really good and big, but you're about ready to have a heart attack and your nervous system's <laughs> falling apart. They have you know? no nutrient density. <laughs> yeah, there's yes. no nutrients. Right. And their root system is so stifled and underdeveloped that they're actually not um, sequestering the carbon. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not taking, they're not making the sugars to feed the microbes. Because the living roots are key, yes, to the Those living roots, yes. And so um, living roots being the, um, the second principle. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't, I'm trying to remember who's, who said it. Oh, Peter Donovan, one of the stars of uh, the Soil Carbon Sponge, said that the problem is, is that most animals are in jail because they're in, you know, these confined CAFO mm-hmm. situations, and the plants are on welfare. <laughs> and the thing is, is that, you know, they have a job to do, and we need to, you know, stop doing the disturbance so yeah, that right. they can do that job. So those living roots, I like to say, are... are, are, are um, our end game. Mm-hmm. We want to have those live living roots. Even perennials that go dormant in the winter are still working underground mm-hmm. in the winter. So growing perennials in the winter, you would ask, what can we do in the winter? Having perennials mm-hmm. that are still active even when the snow's there or even you know, when they're just dormant for that time of the year is incredibly healthy. Um, and then soil armor. Soil armor is like mulch, right? Mm-hmm. Mulch 
is a good tool that is temporary. So because my house burned down, um, there's a lot of disturbance um, where my my house and the the wood walkway burned, and so um, there was a lot of scraping that happened, and my solar panels, unfortunately, um, uh, w- w- contaminated my <laughs> my oh, soil. Yeah. So mm-hmm. areas that didn't burn had to be scraped. Mm-hmm. So I had to do a lot of planting, and I did a lot of seeding, but. I'm not going to plant and seed and leave the soil barren. Wait yes. for those plants to fill in. I covered them with a mulch. Okay. So mulch is like a Band-Aid is to skin, right? Mm-hmm. Mulch is to living plants the way a Band-Aid is to skin. The end game is to have skin, but for that moment, well, there's damage. You're going to put that Band-Aid on. And the right? key is we just don't want that bare soil, correct? Because we, at all costs, never keep it bare because bare soil gets incredibly hot. And at 140 degrees, all microbes die. And it doesn't take a whole lot for bare soil to get to 140 mm-hmm. degrees. And is it more, more just in the large expanses that the bare soil repels rain? Is it just in the bigger expanses? Oh, no, even the short expanses. Mm-hmm. Even where... I had some wood chips on my property that burned. Mm-hmm. The soil after the fire was still absorbing all that rain because we had a lot of rain last right, sure. winter. Yes. But then, unfortunately, when they came to knock down my chimney, they did it in the rain, and they brought a, the wrong machinery from what the neighboring uh, debris removal said, and they got stuck, mm-hmm. and they began to make these deep, deep ruts in this part of my yard, which, you know, they never should have taken such big, heavy machinery on, you know, basically bare land Mm -hmm. in the rain. (laughs) (laughs) And and immediately where those ruts were, my soil stopped um, absorbing the water. Mm -hmm. But literally right next to where that rut went down, where they didn't stir soaked up every bit of rain rain uh, and i had been talking about this with my you know my kids and my son came over and he thought oh well we can just flatten it out and he saw that after the rain clay is the smallest particle in sand silt and clay and it go and it's flat so when the rain hits it hard it kind of um, jumps up, right, and mm-hmm. then lands and creates basically concrete. Mm-hmm. And that's what had happened. Mm-hmm. Where these ruts were, it was concrete. And when it would rain, that water stayed there for weeks. Mm-hmm. And right next to it, all absorbed. Well, it seems to also just be a key problem in all urban areas, too, because we always have this runoff. I mean, so much of, there's no water that's recaptured basically here, right, wouldn't you say? Yes, exactly. In urban environments, it's all runoff. Exactly. And what we need to do, and that was one of the first things I learned in permaculture was, for myself, we all have these drains that take the water off our property and send it away as fast as possible into the streets in my area, out to the ocean. And, you know, a lot of contaminants, and pollution and sure, debris is carried that. with that. Sure. So if we could all treat our 
small properties like a watershed and mm-hmm. keep slow down the water and keep it on our property. Yeah. Uh, will help the health of the oceans tremendously. So, you know, you offer, inspired by the fire, and you were already uh, a permaculture practitioner, and you were spurred to offer these monthly workshops for free on building the carbon soil sponge. So tell us how listeners can stay in contact with you, because, you know, there is so much more that we could um, go over. We're obviously not going to cover it all in this interview, but if you could tell them how they can... Uh, attend your workshops, how they can be engaged with you? Linda M. Gibbs, and I'm in Malibu. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm in the eastern end of Malibu, so it's not as far of a trek. And uh, you can reach me by, I guess, sending a... Should they reach you by Facebook? Yeah, you know, I've been staying off of Facebook since the fire, (laughs) but... I will promise to check it. And, yeah, they reach out to me and give me their email. Then I can put them on my email list. Mm -hmm. Okay. Linda Gibbs on Facebook. Linda M. Gibbs. Yes. Yes. And I know you did your training with Kiss the Ground. Uh, You did some training anyway as a soil advocate. And, you know, I wanted to also just give a shout-out to Kiss the Ground for their amazing work, inspiring people like yourself to, to regenerate the soil. Yes. And, you know... One thing I'd like to say is the classes for anybody, even if you don't want to give classes or, you know, do public speaking, it's great to take the class to be able to have these conversations around the dinner table when you're out with your friends. It really will change the way you see things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and And that's one of the things that... I'm really excited about some of the students that have come to my class is now when they're driving down the road when it's raining or it's windy, they're seeing things differently. Sure, it changes all the perception, yes. And, and exactly. like you said, being able to capture and store every drop of rainfall, you know, this is key and uh, about just the soil regulating hydro- hydrology and our, our atmosphere. Exactly. So, yeah, that's that's really good point. Hydrology governs 95% of the heat dynamics on the planet. So, we, you know, the carbon increasing is not great, but what's worse is how climate change is affecting the hydrology and the hydrology is what is causing the hur- the enormous yeah. hurricanes. These water events, the f- yeah. The floods, the f- mm-hmm. yeah, the fires, the, mm-hmm. uh, the drought. And we can address that by go- growing green longer and by regenerating our deserts. And we've got a lot of opportunity to regenerate. Sure. This and, isn't, yeah, and, like you said, the key is its opportunity to transform to change the environment, we 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 made it, and we can also uh, change That's our right. ways to rebuild we and made regenerate it. We it. And CO two yeah. is also in the the excess CO two is also an opportunity because that CO two can be made into carbon, which is the building blocks of all life. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Linda, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I think you you offer these uh, workshops monthly on soil, correct? Yes, yes. So Uh listeners, please do reach out to her, Linda M. Gibbs, on Facebook. Get educated on the soil. Start cultivating uh, the soil carbon sponge in your own home, and we we have to work together to build it uh, locally and globally. Thank you so much, Linda. We're looking forward to uh, to speaking with you again soon. Thanks for all your good work for the soil. Thank you to Linda Gibbs for being our guest today and to our listeners for joining us. All the resources mentioned today will be available at SoCal350.org. You have been listening to Ecojustice Radio, recorded at KPFK Los Angeles. A project of SoCal 350, the show can be found on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and at SoCal350.org. Created by Mark and J.P. Morse, executive producer Jack Eit, engineer Blake Lampkin, interviewed, hosted by Carrie Kim, and original music by Javier Cadre. And until next time, remember, the power is yours.